0: Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Metastation. Um, today, we, um, we're still a little giddy. We can't kind of believe this happened. But we just spent an hour <laughs> and a half talking to Jason Rothenberg, uh, who is apparently a fan of Metastation Station, listens to the show. Um, so we got a chance to ask him all kinds of amazing questions. Um, I, By the way, I'm Claire. I am a writer, and I live in Portland. Hmm.
1: I'm Erin. I'm an English
0: professor, and I live in Mississippi. And um, we are going to uh, we're going to air um, uncut, so it'll be full of ums and pauses and interruptions and in places where Skype dropped out and things like that. So just sort of bear with the fact that this isn't necessarily um, as as smoothly edited of a conversational experience as normal, because we were all just kind of like you know with excitement at each other um but yeah so so we um I guess well I guess should we should we tell the story of like how this all kind of came about since we
1: yeah yeah so so okay so um about 10 days ago this was a week ago Saturday I it was like (laughs) it was like 10 o'clock in the morning central time which is important for the story in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> on Twitter, I was on. I was checking the meditation Twitter, and we had a message, and I was like, "Well, that's odd, because you know, we don't get many many DMs on there." And I looked in our DMs, and there was a message from one at Jay Rothenberg TV, and I was like, "What?" Um, <laughs> and so, so I opened up the message, and it was just like this lovely message from Jason saying, "Hey guys, you know, I love what you do. Enjoy the podcast." keep it up love to chat sometime p.s grandpa theo's head was totally huge um and and i like froze freaked out a little bit and then i like went and checked his twitter to see if it was like him or one of the many many people who pretend to be him and then i checked it like five more times and then i called claire because i knew it was eight o'clock in the morning on pacific time which is why the time is was important
0: yes because like I like I am not a morning person I was not awake no. then and when well, and we had just recorded yeah. with Joe and it had some technical issues so I like I woke up I checked my phone I saw that I had an email from Aaron saying like hey we had this tech glitch let's talk later and then I thought okay so when I wake up later for real I'll deal with that in a second and then she called me and I was like okay <laughs> I got to remember to call Aaron back when I wake up. And then I fell back asleep again. And this happened like four times. And then she's, she's like, called me twice. And then I'm getting like text after text. And she's like, Claire, get your ass out of bed. Jason Rothenberg just just tweeted us. And I was like, what? And my first reaction was, I was like, I was, like, are we in trouble? <laughs> like, what, like, did I accidentally retweet a spoiler? Oh my God, what are we doing? Um, and she was like, no, he loves us. So, so she called me. And we kind of just sort of like, we spent like 10 minutes on the phone being like, Wait, what? And I'm like I'm like half awake. I was like, wait, what ha- wait. What? Wait. And she's like just go check the Twitter. So it was crazy. Um but he he really he enjoys the show. He had listened to it um before and uh and listened to a lot of it I think and um just and and said really lovely things about it. He liked that we um dive into the story so deeply he really enjoyed listening to our conversations so we're just like freaking the hell out um and then uh he he said you know i'd love to get the chance to come talk to you and um and we were like okay so like jason wants to like skype us for five minutes and be like hey you're awesome give up the good work like that's amazing and then it turns out no no he 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 wanted to come on metastation he wanted us <laughs> to like get to actually like talk to him and ask him all of our questions that we sort of toss out to him rhetorically at least five times every single episode. Like, Jason, why did you do that? Jason, oh my God. And now we got to like actually ask him to his face. So it's amazing. Um,
1: yes. So, so that is the story of how this somehow magically, fortuitously yeah. came about.
0: Um, <laughs> he just He just came to us, which is bananas, and we can like hardly wrap our heads around it. Yes.
1: And, um, and originally we only had, we were only scheduled to have half an hour with him, but it wound up, we wound up talking for an hour and a half. And so what follows is the uncut 90 minute spraw- sprawling, rambling, many faceted conversation that we had with uh, Jason Rothenberg about the show and um, fandom and uh, the 90s and other things like that. <laughs> Ah, so um we
0: hope you enjoy it we're gonna go like walk it off because we're still kind of wigging out but um yeah. but please uh please enjoy the Meta Station interview with
2: jason rothenberg <laughs> claire and aaron hi hi
3: jason hi jason
1: Thank you so How much. Are you for guys? Coming- I'm
2: your biggest <laughs> fan. Oh my I'll God! Stop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for agreeing to seriously, do this. Seriously, I
2: spent. Oh, my pleasure. I I actually like pursued you. I'm I I'm excited <laughs> about it. I- I'm I'm looking forward to talking to you guys because it's such an intelligent conversation you're having, and it's like, seriously, one of the reasons why we do this is because we're trying to generate, you know, we're trying to generate conversation and we're trying to ask hard questions and tell a cool story that um, isn't just about ships, dare I say. Um, <laughs> and you guys seem to, you know, I mean, all the things, sometimes I listen and I'm like, fuck, they got everything that we're trying to do. It's a little scary sometimes. I'm like, oh, shit, they're predicting everything.
3: <laughs>
2: Be careful.
1: We'll I'll give ourselves a nice little pat on the back.
0: <laughs> it is. It is true that um, Aaron Aaron nailed the entire like I think like every major story beat of the Alley storyline, including the fact that it was somehow connected to Lexa and the Grounder mythology from like two things that you treated, tweeted, and then the December trailer. I was just, I'm like we're right about everything. It was amazing. <laughs> but we just love yeah, that there's well, so much today, to think about. Hey,
2: I'm glad. I'm glad I'm off Twitter then because apparently people were. <laughs> Piecing things together based on my ridiculous (laughs) tweets. B. Joe Joe Garfine Joe Garfine, who I know you guys are friendly with, are friends with. um, She scared me last season too. She was like, "Fuck!" She was drilling right down on the (laughs) heart of the alley story way too early. Yeah, way too early. I I almost at some point in the season. I didn't discover your your podcast until uh, more recently, but at some point in the season. I said to people in my office, "Should we call Joe and say stop because she's <laughs> getting too close?"
1: Yeah. Um. Anyway. Anyway. So, so it's really nice
2: to talk to you guys.
1: Yeah, you too. We're so the thrilled really to have you? Segues well to the first question we wanted to ask you, which is kind of like a selfish question on our part, but we were just really curious about like what the most surprising thing you've heard from our podcast has been. If there's anything that we said that like really surprised you or like either like a pleasant surprise or maybe an unpleasant surprise either way.
2: Well, I mean, I find it to be, your podcast is really entertaining because you're, you also are sort of unabashed shippers at the same time. So (laughs) I can't remember who one of you is a total unabashed shipper. Um, We we both are, but just the different ships. At the same time, yeah, you go sort of back and forth between this, you know, sort of like really deep dive into um, medical ethics and you know the philosophy of just shitty choices, which is essentially <laughs> try to design the show um, into some kind of like B'larker, uh rants, which I find to be endlessly fun and amusing <laughs> and of, but yeah i mean that surprises me a little bit the well-roundedness how how about we put it that way oh uh, there you go <laughs> the
3: conversation.
2: thank you yeah. thank you i, really I, get that, I like too. i get it i get it people you know you have to you have to you have to
3: have that too
1: right yeah i mean you yeah, you can think of shipping as just another kind of like frame for interpretation and it has its strengths and it has its limitations like any other frame for an interpretation. So, you know, yeah, you gotta like have different frames. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's just like a way of engaging for sure, in story. For
2: sure. yeah. I mean, I get it. I yeah. get it. I yeah. get it completely. And what I don't like about it is the sort of way it pits groups against each other, yeah. you know, but uh, ultimately there's a sort of fun, good naturedness to certainly to your guys discussion of it. And, um, You know, people come to television shows and movies and books and whatever, you know, the entertainment uh, media might be for different reasons, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. For me, it's not about that. For me, it's always about, you know, the story. But that doesn't mean I'm not, like, way into the love stories also, you know. I mean, some of my favorite movies and and all of my favorite movies, I should say, have really strong uh, romantic subplots. So, I have a heart too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. So, can you, Jason? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Oh, yeah. Um. I'm on can Skype. You hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, I'm yeah. I'm on Skype, but Aaron's on the call, so I just wanted to make sure that like that I was coming through sound wise too. So, um. So the next question that we were um we going to ask was just um we're really curious about um we're loving we're really loving season four so far and. Um, and we're sort of interested in, thank you. Um, just sort of, you know, what I guess what you um, what you learned from the experience of season three, from the writing of it, from how things were received, from the story choices that sort of impacted. Like, how did that shape the way you guys were thinking about and writing season four? Because so there's been some kind of big tonal shifts and thematic shifts and and really sort of sharp rights and character arcs. And so we're just sort of interested in kind of like what that transition out of season three into season four was like for you guys when you were figuring out the story.
2: Well, I mean, for me, every season is different and I sort of approach every season as its own movie. I think I've probably said that before where it's sort of mm-hmm. to keep it fresh and interesting to me, you can think of every season as its own movie and every season has sort of it's uber story that unfolds. Um, I feel like, you know, I mean, I'm I'm obviously aware of both the criticism and the sort of stuff that people like also. Um, and I know season three was obviously more controversial to many people. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we probably sort of pushed the edge of how much story we could tell. Um, some of the... Yeah, You know, I mean, I, I guess I'll say some of the criticism uh, is resulted from, I think, the fact that we jumped ahead in time and we were trying to uh, tell a really big story mm-hmm. and certain things had to happen even more quickly than they probably should have or would normally in our show. Because obviously we tell story quickly always.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we burn
2: yeah. through story on this show, for sure. You know, it's not boring. Stuff's happening all the time. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I mean, Bellamy's are, Bellamy's turn into you know, slaughtering um, the Peace Army was obviously people, I mean, personally, and Bob and I have talked a lot about this, um, we both sort of get it and, and uh, understand it, and it doesn't feel out of character for us. You know, to me, uh, character development doesn't always have to be in a positive direction.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it
2: can go back and forth. And, you know, Bellamy was in his mind, defending his people by doing this preemptive thing. And ultimately he was wrong and it still eats him up inside. Um, But he, in the moment, you know, he, he sort of was following the wrong leader and he was, he was wrong in what he, in what he was doing, but he felt like he was doing the right thing. He felt like he was protecting his people and that's what he was all about. Right. Mm. Just turned out to be a tragedy. People make mistakes, you know, and that's what it was. For him, and some of the audience reaction, you know, the people who just loved Bellamy's arc into season two, sort of white knighthood, really, and I mean that just in a metaphoric way, obviously, (laughs) um, you know, couldn't wrap their minds around how he could be so stupid, but he never had the experience that you and I in the audience had with the Grounders, you know. He didn't fall in love with Lexa, and he didn't fall in love with Indra, and he didn't you know, the only grounder that he ever had a good interaction with was Lincoln, really. Um, and so, you know, for him, it was justified in that moment. And we were trying to have him make a bad choice. I mean, that's what that was about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. that said, it happened. A lot of it happened off screen, and it happened too quickly. And you know, I think that was a mistake uh, creatively that that I would certainly own. Um, Likewise, I think the Pike backstory, you know, we didn't tell the Pike backstory until late, late in the season, you know, probably too late uh, to sort of dimensionalize his character. Um, For me, it was, I felt like the story he told in episode two last season, you know, of the massacre and the children dying and, and, and the sort of experience that he had in the Ice Nation over the course of what was essentially, you know, season two for the for the rest of our characters um, was enough to sort of show his perspective because for me it's always about perspective and mm-hmm. ultimately I was wrong about that for a lot of people because they needed to see it and so that was a lesson learned certainly in the sense of like if you're going to introduce a character who had you know is going to be doing things um, perhaps you know villain hat I guess you could say uh, Pike hat for me it's always about Again, it's always about perspective and wanting to understand that from that character's perspective, he's not a villain, obviously. Right. Um, he was doing the right thing. I knew he would be received as a villain by the audience because the audience, you know, loves the grounders and, lo- and certainly, you know, um, have a different experience than he had. Um, regardless, that was a lesson I learned, too. Like, this. It wasn't enough for people to hear him say it. In fact, a lot of people were like, I think he's lying. <laughs> not
3: true. Right, right. So, you know,
2: <laughs> not seeing it was, and it's like, you know, stupid television writing 101, by the way, like show don't tell. <laughs> um, but uh, I made that, I would say I made that mistake. And one of the things with Illion this season that I was really adamant about was wanting to see what happened to make him the way that he is. And that's why we saw the sort of like little mini flashback um, to his story and to try to sort of instantly, uh, I guess, empathize with him.
1: Yeah, and I thought
2: I mean I don't I know if I'm answering the, the question you
0: now. No, this, this, is, this is that's this is great. This yeah. is really helpful. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that's I mean I I loved Pike. I was actually like I'm on record <laughs> as being a huge like I and I, but I think it's because like I and Aaron and I talked about this a little bit in one of our podcasts where we were kind of unpacking like we had very dramatically different interpretations of the Kane and Bellamy scene from the end of Four Hundred One. Um, I think for me, like responding to the character the way Mike Beach is playing it. Um, gives you some of that kind of nuance and backstory, but it is, but yeah, but it's all kind of metatextual and it's not on the screen. And with Ilian, it's sort of, he's already in a different place because I feel like we really can dive deeply into like why he, you know, why he is the way he is. So I think, I think that's a, I think that's a cool choice. Like I think that's really helpful. Yeah.
1: And I, I think it helps yeah, too. Yeah,
2: I mean, with, it was a, again, it's a lesson learned. Sure. I think oh, it you
1: with, no, I was just going to say, I think, I think, you know, in a kind of like a larger level, that was a, that was like a great choice to sort of have made this season because it also kind of helps helps the audience transfer Ileon's experience onto the all the other grounders who are mad at Sky Crew. You know, so like we have a we have like a sort of deeper emotional understanding for why everyone's mad at them. Even though like we know for a fact that Sky Crew, like as a group are not responsible for what happened, but we can kind of like, you know, like we have an in through Ilion. So like right. that was yeah. So so we were that was that was a really, you know, I think important scene too. Yeah.
2: I mean that's include, why yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, he definitely is representative of the experience of any grounder who was, you know, coerced to take the chip, uh, either because the commander ordered it or, you know, they were obviously the way he was uh, sort of, I guess, torturing his mother um, to get her to take it. Um, you know, it, it does represent that for the grounder world, sort of writ large. You know, it's funny story, which is. I don't know that I've ever told anybody this before but that scene was originally in 401 that so the the original premiere episode script was had this whole other story in it which basically the the teaser of the first episode was that scene Oh, wow. um, and then there was a and then there was another scene later in the episode where he's which we'll never maybe I'll put it on the DVD at some point um where he's essentially doing the burial. It's not burial, but like the, the death ritual for his people, for Trishana crew, which is essentially cocooning the body in uh, against a tree and the butterflies, the glowing butterflies, uh, they pour sort of like larvae into the, into the mummified cocoon of the, of the loved one. And eventually the butterfly emerges, the glowing butterfly emerges from this like awesome cocoon thing on a tree. Uh, and it, there, so we saw that happening, and then there was a horse riding up, and we look, and it's Gaia on the horse, and the Flamekeeper scout, you know, who is on her way back to Polis and, you know, discovering this awfulness that's happened in the world because she was so far removed. And there was a great Gaia Ilian scene, and they ride into town together, and then in the very end, they're standing next to the way we cut it because we had to take uh, Ilian out of the episode his story was pulled out of the episode for lots of reasons that aren't aren't interesting but um, <laughs> right next to gaia is chai he's standing right next to gaia in that scene so you see her for a second in the crowd at the end of 401 but she had a whole story in 401 that got unwound oh. um wow
1: that's really cool yeah i
2: decided put, yeah so i just so i decided to put um so I decided to put that teaser at the top of uh, 402 because essentially that's when that story came to pl- into play, mm-hmm. um, and it really just fit perfectly as a teaser for that episode, so it didn't go to waste. But the second scene went to waste. Cutting room floor.
1: Well, that's kind of a cool. Cutting. That's like a little a-, a cool addition to the that first shot of 402 with the butterfly landing on Ileon's mother's hand, like knowing that that butterfly came yeah. from. The sort of like uh, the corpse or eels, like yeah. sort of was born from the bodies of Trishana Cruz kind of adds an extra level of like, like cool macabre sort yeah. of. <laughs> I clothing, love that. So that's awesome. Yeah, I mean that
2: was part of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Part of it was
2: like the world building of the Trishana Crew. If you think about the name mm-hmm. Tree, shine. Ah. Tree Shine, so Glow Forest. Yeah. We it. call them the Glow Forest Clan, and so they. Uh, and that's how it got its name, and that's the origin story for the glowing butterfly. So yeah, that was something that we wanted to get in there, and we shot it. It's a great scene. Um, again, it was a it was a really good intro for Gaia. Um, and then once we realized we're like three or four episodes down the road that that wasn't going to be part of the premiere, um, I shot a, I shot a new intro for Gaia in in three, which you've now seen, which is the you know she's she's walks into the temple and takes off her her sort of ice nation fake uniform and there Mm -hmm. we see this sort of you know really intriguing beautiful woman um and that was her new intro that wasn't originally part of 403 either so you know one of the advantages by the way not to keep talking about process but one of the advantages of shooting the season before it airs is that we can do things like that we can sort of pivot and make changes and do reshoots and and stuff that you know, shows that are on in the fall that are shooting at the same schedule really don't have the luxury to do because it's like fucking, hey man, the train is right behind. Right, you. right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, six yeah. Months. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So anyway.
1: So um, so the the glowing butterfly uh, is kind of a another little callback to season one. Was that also supposed to be a, a sort of like reference to Octavia, since she's the other character that we have associated with glowing butterflies or is that, was that not kind of in your guys, in your head?
2: Well, or is that a spoiler? (laughs) Or
0: is
1: that a spoiler?
2: (laughs) It's a little, I mean, that's one of those things that, you know, I mean, it's yes, Octavia, certainly the glowing butterfly, the whole metamorphosis, the whole change of Octavia from, you know, who she was into who she is is certainly something that's happening. And I think uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but we haven't seen the last of the glowing butterfly
3: okay cool cool um
1: yeah yeah. excellent we'll look forward to that so we all wanted to ask to pick up on that we wanted to ask about uh you to talk a little bit about some of the season one parallels or sort of like callbacks that we've seen so far in season four um because it does seem like this, you know, when we were at Unity Days, the cast kept saying over and over this, you know, the season feels like season one. You know, it's so much like season one, and and we kind of have been watching the first few episodes and thinking like, holy crap, like they weren't they weren't exaggerating, and it's not just like it feels like it because they're all together again. It's like it really is just there's like, here's Jake Griffin,
0: here's the Culling, here's the parallel to yeah. the Hundred getting sent to the ground, like all which is which has been really exciting.
1: Yeah, so we just wanted to ask you this kind of open ended thing, if you to talk a little bit about. Um, you know, as you were sort of, like, putting together the season, like, how, you know, how did you decide what was important from season one that you wanted to bring back or are there are there big ideas or issues from season one that you're bringing back in season four that you kind of want to, like, highlight for for, as we're watching it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's not, I mean, first of all, it's all a piece to me, right? So... You know, season one, season two, they've been on the ground for six months. Um, I feel like the similarities between season one and season two are, are deliberate in the sense that the story of season one was this, the hundred is dropped on the ground and they don't know what's out there. They have all this internal conflict and can they overcome this sort of, you know, the bullshit. Squabbling and stuff that's happening in, uh, between them in time to survive a bigger existential threat that's out there. The Grounders, in, in that case. Um, in season four, the story is the same, except it's sort of obviously on a much grander scale. Now it's about can the really can the thirteen clans overcome their and this becomes a bigger sort of you know running story going forward can the clans overcome their own internal, you know, strife and and conflict and bullshit before this greater existential threat in this case the death wave comes to kill them all? Can they figure out a way to like, you know, get past their their political uh problems with each other in order to find a way to save the most people possible, you know? And to me, on some level, that's where we're living in the world. Like, can we all as a people get over our bullshit and time to like save ourselves from yeah, what?
3: Makes yeah. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, yeah.
2: not to be too and- dramatic about it. Not an <laughs> end timer, but that's that's, that's definitely um, the way through science fiction. We can sort of dramatize the, the ecological disaster that I yeah. think is ahead of us if we don't.
1: Yeah, and that is. Together. And that is kind of the like the sort of big scale problem of confronting climate change now is just, you know, the like some of the main things standing in the way are just like sheer stupid politics. Yeah. You know, either, either international yeah. politics of different countries not wanting to, you know, like not wanting to give up things that other countries aren't giving up or, or like developing countries not wanting right. to sacrifice development for the sake of the fact that we've been burning carbon, you know, carbon longer than they have. Um, and then you know right. national and, politics. and we still yeah. have
2: people that are in, and, and we still have people who are in denial of it. It's
1: yeah, exactly.
2: Crazy, yeah, we're still having to sell the, basic,
0: sell the basic, sell so, the basic concept crazy. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too political because <laughs> obviously, for me, like the beauty of science fiction is you can make these points without being preachy, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's true. The, the The environment doesn't respect borders, and mm-hmm. the Death Wave doesn't respect your clan. It doesn't care what clan you're in. It's going to kill you, you know. So yeah, um, that's and really inter- and that's you know the the thing. Go ahead.
1: Sorry. I was just going to say. I think that that uh, that kind of gets to. It, it's sort of it's sort of cool because I think like one thing that the show is getting at now in this storyline that that sort of like when you strip it all away, the thing that we all ultimately have in common is that we have a kind of like a living body that we want to keep alive you know like it's like the sort of core issue of humanity is that is like sheer biological perpetuation of life right um which is like simultaneously like simultaneously kind of apolitical and also the most political thing and i think it's really interesting how the show is kind of kind of takes all of these issues the ways that that bodies can be sort of like that 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 human life can become this kind of like technocratic Um, logistical problem you know like how many what number of people can we do we have the resources to keep alive and also a kind of ethical problem and also a kind of like political problem and all these ways that kind of like humanity as we call it in a blanket sort of way folds together all these problems and 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 just like the sheer complexity of trying to manage all these different ways that bodies matter simultaneously you know i just think like i think the show overall has done a really interesting job trying to confront that
2: well and the sort of bigger question that i that i think the show asks all the time and certainly this season plays with it in a big way is you know who do you save do you save the people that you love you know are you willing to sort of not save all of your people so that Another clan can save some of theirs. You know, Clark wants to save everybody. She's sort of transcended um, her clan, her tribalism, you know, some of which she learned from Lexa and some of which is just who she is. You know, she's been in the past, obviously, pretty adamant about saving her people, so much so that it's like a fucking drinking game, right? <laughs> <laughs> My
3: people.
2: Um, but this season she's really trying to sort of like go above that, but it's hard when most people, and I think, you know, again, we don't like to judge one side or the other. I think both positions are valid, you know? I mean, realistically, if I, if you told me there was like a death wave coming to to Santa Monica, who would I save? My fucking kids and my wife, you know? It's like, Mm -hmm. that's what we do as human beings. We sort of like circle the wagons and take care of our own. It's a very human instinct and, and understandable completely. Um, and so in this season, we're trying to sort of like find conflict between those who want to do that and those who are trying to see the bigger picture, you know, see longer term and, and you know, do what's right regarding sort of us as a, as a human species,
3: mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, it makes sense. And it's one of those intractable conflicts where both sides are right in their own way, you know, and so, which, which always yeah. makes for the most interesting conflicts I think oh yeah, <laughs> I like yeah, you by can't the way, that's the
2: schools. way i I think that's the way you know we do the that's the way we construct the show all the time, like if when the show is at its best, I think it's asking questions that are impossible of our characters, like mm-hmm. there is no right answer. there's just like two shitty choices, right, and Clark's gonna have to figure out you know the third way, which is perhaps less shitty than those other two shitty choices, you know. That to me is, is you know, the drama of, of The 100. It's basically, and, and I'm always pushing our writers and I'm always sort of pushing myself and, you know, others to, to sort of like tell me a story where, like, make it hurt, make it cost something mm-hmm. so that even though I'm doing the right thing, there's a real downside to it. And I think if you look at, you know, the season two finale in Malweather Weather and the season three finale in the city of light and you know all those choices always have uh casualties you know
3: yeah yeah
2: so that's how we do it that's the formula anyway
0: um so i know we're wrapping up we just have a few more minutes left with you but we um since since we get a chance to talk to you which is super exciting we we did want to each sort of ask one (laughs) one kind of purely self-indulgent question about our favorite characters um uh so okay I- sure
2: i'm not i'm not holding you i'm not holding you guys to any time limit by the way i have oh. something else i have to do oh great i think i have a notes call at 3 on the finale
0: oh perfect you know, on a, okay a
2: 12 cut that we just turned into the network but we can keep talking
0: oh i'm so and glad would, okay uh,
2: some people that are yeah,
0: yeah yeah fantastic um good because we can't ha- I mean, we could keep you here for two hours we have thousands of questions but we won't but um <laughs> but we have a, bo- a couple more
2: i would uh, love it and by the way i believe you i believe you i've seen how long your show is so i have like yes i've driven like it, it's taken me four trips back and forth to the valley to listen to the podcast sometimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're glad we can make your commute easier um so, so, my question is um i um my my favorite characters on on the show are kane and Abby and uh and I love I've been loving watching their relationship evolve this season I'm loving the um the romance, but also just sort of how they're uh, kane evolving as a leader and Abby really kind of coming back into her own as like the sort of doctor hero is super exciting um but I'm one of the questions that sort of I've always kind of wondered. She's um, really
2: into shock last year. <laughs> I'm sure there's... I'm sure I'll get in trouble for that. It was a joke, Twitter.
0: It was I'm,
3: a joke. Was I'm, sh- I'm
0: sure okay, there's fanfic about that. Um, so so my so my question is, I was wondering, and and if this is something that you can talk about, um, at kind of just sort of your feelings um, about, like, how you guys have sort of evolved their relationship. At what point was it... Did you guys decide, oh, maybe it should go this romantic direction? Did that sort of evolve out of Paige and Ian? Or was that sort of on paper from the beginning? Um, Just I'm I'm super curious about because it's such a beautifully, like deftly built relationship just like from the pilot on. And I'm just so curious about kind of like what that process was.
2: That's a really good question. Also a hard question uh, to try to remember at what point I said, yeah, let's pursue that romantic storyline. Um, you know, I mean, from the beginning, they were certainly polar opposites. They represented, you know, as early as the pilot. I remember writing the scene where um, she says, or he says, if I have to take us down to a cosmic Adam and Eve to save the human race, I will. And she says about, you know, if I have to, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make sure that we deserve to survive. Mm -hmm. Totally butchered those lines just there uh, but they were on the opposite <laughs> side you know and and obviously obviously Kane has evolved uh, quite a lot and learned you know um, the hard way certain um, I guess the ramifications of being that hardline in his early um, attitude certainly being wrong about the earth survivability was a after having sort of advocated for the culling um, changed him. In, in in ways that, you know, still uh, are with him for sure. And so, you know, I think it was a process. I think like everything, you you, you start making the show and Ian Cusick is so good and, and Paige Turco is so good and they're so good together that, you know, and a lot of it is because they're adversarial, you know, and so you see sparks between them because there's conflict in those scenes. And they're both intelligent and they're both, I'm talking about the characters now, you know, they're (laughs) they're both arguing for their, for their, uh, perspectives all the time. And eventually that, that chemistry, you know, bleeds into the writing. And certainly, um, there are people on my writing staff season after season there, you know, it's funny when you staff a room, some people are really good at stories. Some people are into, into shipping the way the audience is sort of segmented. There are, there are blockers in the room, and there are collects of people in the room, and you know it's my job to sort of like take all of those various desires and points of view and try to funnel it in a singular direction. Um, and so the answer to your question is, I really can't remember when <laughs> I decided that yeah, that should happen. Um, but you know, I mean, I see the same thing. I see the same thing that that you see, and I'm like, yeah, it makes total sense. By the way, you know, they they. Um, they they're both awesome and they're both uh, passionate and compassionate and I think she's really taught him how to be a better man so you know that's what we all want out of our significant others
0: <laughs> what a good answer I'm so happy
2: <laughs>
0: thank you Claire's just
1: over the moon <laughs> good but I really I love, love that.
2: them I love that relationship too and, and you know what else I have to say like they're in their 50s and it's on the CW and fucking A, we've got, like, one of the best romantic relationships yes. over 50. I'm not sure that's been done before. You know, I'm about to turn 50, and so, like, I can tell you that we still have feelings <laughs> and romantically. <laughs>
0: and I think that's, you know, that's something I think is really important, both in terms of um, just, I think, of, of varying the kinds of stories that the show is telling, but also, you know, I think... Um, especially for women over a certain age, like allowing them to be romantic and sexual and desired and like continue to own that power after they've aged out of being like starlets, I think is really important as a part of the sort of representation question of, you know, how are women depicted on television? I think the fact that, you know, like the the love scene was beautiful, it was beautifully shot, but it wasn't like... um It didn't feel like, oh, this is, like, you know, like, this is, like, the old person's sex, so we have to, like, feel, you know, like, it it was, like, it was a beautifully shot scene, and I I think that's, just, like, as a woman, I think it's really amazing, I mean, for both of them, like, for, for Ian as well, but also really for Paige, just to, like, to allow them to be that and to dignify that in a show where, you know, the majority of the cast are younger and the majority of the audience is younger, but to, like, you know, there's a, there's a surprisingly, like, enthusiastic fandom of the people who just really love the adults, you know, people who love, like, Jackson, and people who loved sure. Pike and sure. Kane's relationship, and Indra, you know, and so just yeah. it's really, we, I think it's really cool to, um, you know, with every consecutive season that more and more sort of like diversifying the cast of adults and bringing new adults into the story, I think is really awesome, but um, yeah. For
2: sure, thank you, and, and that that was one of my initial sort of, you know, when I first set out on this. On this journey with this show, I, I, it was very important to me to tell stories with uh, Jaha Kane and Abby on the Ark. You know, that mm-hmm. was the sort of upstairs downstairs of season one was all sort of those people, you know, the grown- ups on the on the ark. so um, and we've definitely continued it through for sure. And they're great actors, and they added a certain sort of legitimacy and credibility to the to the show too it's not just a teeny teeny bopper show And mm-hmm. i have to tell you just to correct you about one thing you said which is the audience is mostly young the show has a surprisingly um old demographic like it's not just watched by kids now on twitter it's a younger for the most part so if you you know i think if you judge the fandom based only on on Twitter, then it feels a little bit younger. But the, the actual demographic, as reported by Nielsen, is much older than you would think. There's it's, a lot of people who watch the show that are in their 40s and 50s. That's a good point, 50s, actually,
0: 60s. sort of that there's that there's so, a fandom and audience are different things. I think that's actually that's an important sort of piece of context. I think we forget sometimes. That's a good point.
2: Yeah. Um, and 100 percent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The fandom is the fandom is, is, is passionate and vocal and, you know, important and amazing. Um, but the audience is not, is much bigger than that.
3: Right. You know?
2: So, and and we're now in a world where it's like international and there's a hundred different ways to consume the show too. So the overnight number and even the plus three and plus seven ratings mean, I won't say they mean nothing to the CW, but there's they're almost irrelevant. Like the show's uh, Netflix consumption, I don't know what the right word is for that, is, is through the roof still and, you know, that's why we feel so, confident i can't i don't want to say that we've got a season five yet because that would not be uh a, i'm not approved to say something like that <laughs> but feel so positive about season five awesome. that it's, you know i mean like any day now maybe
0: that's yeah. exciting
1: that is really really exciting i know yeah. like i know people are really really you know pulling for season five um and very excited about season four so we'll keep Keep doing our part.
2: And (laughs) and the the reaction, the reaction to season four, you know, from the people who've seen all the episodes, we just turned in. Like I was saying before, we turned in episode 12 to the network um, yesterday. And you know, I'm working on another show right now for the CW, a pilot that we're actually getting ready to leave for South Africa on Sunday to shoot. Um, And so I'm spending a lot of time at the offices of the CW with uh, Mark Pedowitz and company and you know, they continue to love and support the hundred in ways that you know are incredibly gratifying to me. Um, and so, I think our fans are. Can I don't want to say they should rest easy. They should still watch and you know talk about it and you know make sure that the excitement stays there. But I think we'll we'll be around for people to kick around for another couple of years.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Good.
1: Um, so yeah. we got we got you for another couple minutes, right?
2: Yeah, let's let's go. I have a uh, three forty-five notes call.
1: Okay, Perfect. cool. So I just wanted to ask you. This is my, my selfish question, which you can probably guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if you listened to the uh, the hour long uh, Bellamy and Clark conversation that we posted last week. Um, but <laughs> but I, I, I just want I have
2: to. I'm going to. i admit I saw it, but I didn't listen to it. I watched. Oh, I listened smart. to this p- episode three one. Hold on one second, Paula, my assistant just walked in the office. Sure okay I might have a little more time even than 345
0: amazing
2: okay, so that's what she's telling me so, um, yeah, no I didn't listen to the Ballar I didn't listen to the Ballar podcast
3: um, <laughs> no
2: judgment about Ballar or not it's just uh, you know I, I I'm more interested in in the longer you know discussions of, of everything together so
3: sure sure hey, I have been kind yeah, of no no I totally
1: so. understand <laughs> I mean that's why we broke it out because. No, I, I totally understand, which is partly why we broke it out, because it's a little bit more of a niche thing. But um, but I did just want to ask you, I mean, just sort of like in a very general, like, you know, as non chippery as you want it to be kind of way. Um, I was wondering if you would talk a little bit just about how you see the Bellamy and Clark's relationship having like where it's at at the end of um, 403 and how it's evolved over the seasons. Cause I'm sort of curious. I think, you know, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of fandom sort of interpretations of them and of their relationship out there. Um, and I'm just really curious to see how you, how you think about them and, and how they've kind of evolved. You
2: want to know when they're having sex. You want to know when they're
3: having sex, <laughs> right? I absolutely
1: <laughs> do not want to know. I
3: i'm kidding i'm
2: kidding here's the thing so much like my answer about um kane and abby which is basically you know we did not set out i know that in the book it is a it's a huge part of the um story in the book um but i did uh, not set out thinking one way or another
3: Hmm? what'd you say
1: Oh, oh she, I, just, she, I just
3: said I had I haven't yeah. read
2: the books. Yeah, no, we're still here. Oh, okay, well, yeah. it's a huge part of the book. It's a huge part of the book. In fact, I've gotten in trouble over the years by saying, if you want Balarc, you should read the book. I mean that, like, because it's a huge part of the book, and Cass definitely uh, pursued it in that sort of like romantic young adult fictional sort of way, and I sort of my take on the material was always much more like when there's a. A, you know a spear going that could potentially come out of anywhere at any time and kill you you know your 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 focus is elsewhere um that said, Bob we cast Bahab and Eliza, and they have such incredible chemistry and 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 again, like I said about kane and and Abby, it's like their relationship started out so adversarial that there were sparks you know there was there was sparks from, mm-hmm. from the jump um and then on top of that, you've got these two really incredible actors that are you know bringing so many other levels to their performances and emotions that perhaps aren't always the first thing that we're thinking of when we're writing the things, because they're, you know, they're humanizing it. They're dimensionalizing every line. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I see the chemistry between them and have seen the chemistry between them from the very, very beginning. Um, but to me, they've always been a team, you know, they've, since they've worked their, their shit out in season one, and realized that they needed each other, um, and that they both had strengths and weaknesses, and could be better together. Which, by the way, is also what you want out of a you know a romantic partner in life, for sure. You know, you want to be with someone who makes you better and completes you, and you know, etc. Um, but to me, that's sort of where they functioned for the longest time. Obviously, they've been um, sort of. I won't say I won't say the heart and the head although, you know, cuz I think I have said that before and kind of undersells Clark because frankly she's got heart too. You know, Bellamy is impulsive mm-hmm. and emotional, um doesn't always think through what he's going to do, um is usually, you know, is fiercely loyal and will, you know, do whatever he has to do to to save the people that matter to him. Of course at first that was Octavia. And I knew, by the way, you know, based on um, the things that character was going to be doing as early as the pilot, but certainly in season one, that, that he was going to be doing a lot of really assholy things, for lack of a better word. But that we would always <laughs> like him because we would understand that the reason he was doing it was to protect his sister, you know. Um, so we would forgive him some of, his, some of his bad behavior because he was doing it for reasons that, that we could get behind least that was my um sort of intention with him um mm-hmm. clark you know she's all heart too so it's hard when i again I, when i say he's he's the heart and she's the head that undersells clark because i think she's so fully rounded as a character um but there are things that he does better than her you know there are things he, he's more inspirational to his people he he inspires you know fierce loyalty in the people around him and she sometimes makes more sort of calculating decisions. Um, I'm somehow see you asked me about the balarke of it all, and I'm sort of talking about other things. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, ultimately, I I absolutely 100% see what other, what people see in that relationship and in that uh, in those characters and in that ship for sure. It's it's uh, the chemistry is awesome. I I have no idea. When and if and or if that's going to happen, so probably should leave <laughs> well, it. Well, I
1: mean, I think, yeah, it's it's a you created a really really compelling dynamic, I think, and then you know combine that with the actors, and I think that's just like that's the thing that we all kind of latch onto and and root for. Um, but yeah, yeah. but I mean, I just I just love them together in whatever form. Form they're together <laughs> um, as long as they're they pop that's the dynamic they really love yeah they really do they really do they pop but, they, they
2: jump off the screen every time they're together and a lot of it again it's you know what you're looking for in scenes usually is conflict and Bellamy and Clark were in conflict quite a lot you know for the first few seasons so I think it's less uh, less so now they've kind of come to a sort of an understanding they've come to an acceptance of of each other's role uh, both in their lives and in the sort of sort of larger lives of of um the show you know writ large um and they're focused on a singular task this season too you know that's the other thing that um that's the other thing that i think different different is different from last season it's and kind of one of the choices to bring it back to one of your original questions which is you know lessons learned maybe from season three was I feel like in season three, we told too much story. There were too many things happening. Now to me, I was really excited by that story and by the, the, the sort of unifying moment when we realized that the AI was in Lexa and both halves of the story and both, you know, time periods of the show, everything sort of merged into that moment, which to me was really awesome. And, 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 um, was what the season was sort of building towards and then built off of afterwards, but it wasn't one story. It was several different stories that eventually came together in that moment. And I think a lot of people didn't really get on board in, a, in fully with that story until um, it had, again, sort of a singular focus as we were you know, back half of the season, perhaps. Um, season two, if you look at it, just sort of dramatic structurally, dramatic structurally, is that a word? I don't know. Um, <laughs> had, like, the uber <laughs> plot. It was Mount yeah. Weather. And the 48 were stuck inside that prison, and can we save our people? Uh, and it was all about that with a little sort of, like, you know, side dish of Jaha and Murphy on their quest to the City of Light, you know, which was always good for comic relief and uh, sort of a palate cleansing from the dark intensity of Mount Weather. So we got back to that in Season 4. You know, we got back to the sort of... that was a That was a definite... Um, choice by me to say we need to sort of drill down relentlessly on one story and just have it be, you know, the movie of the season, which is the clock starts ticking in the premiere and it keeps ticking until the finale. And it's, you know, and and I think the experience of the season will be for people, you know, it, it, it's going to get harder and harder not to watch, but like more and more tense, and more and more relentless, and more and more sort of hard to breathe as that death wave gets closer, and the and the effects of it start to kick in, and the, the realization that there's less and less chance that people are going to survive, and you know that really is the, the the entire season story in a really cool, I think, compelling way. Hopefully, you know there are some, pri- some surprises too, but you know that's that's essentially the long and the short of it.
0: It's been, we've been really enjoying, I think, having, you know, having one kind of clean, straight line sort of narrative arc that, because you can branch sort of infinite things off of it, but everything feels so tied back to that A story, you know, everything that's going on with jasper makes perfect sense in the context of like the world is ending you know and or like kane and abby's relationship or like you know clark having to make this list like all of the sort of or or the you know the clark bellamy raven sort of trifecta you know and um so you you're telling all these like all these different stories and, and everyone is responding in ways that feel sort of perfectly in character with who they are and how they would react in this situation but it's all kind of you know pointed in one direction like the Miller and Brian conflict makes perfect sense in this context like everything feels like it sort of fits under this umbrella so yeah so we're we're really we're really enjoying it i think it's a cool i think it's a cool choice to sort of focus everything back into like everyone pointing in one direction because then also then it gives things sort of t- some time to breathe, you know, like they've been like, everyone's had a very hard time since they landed on the earth and they need to just like pause for a second. <laughs>
2: Although yeah, they don't really get a well, chance to do don't that. Yeah. People, we don't let people pause for, yeah. <laughs> we don't let people breathe for too long, but you're right. I mean, that, that is, that's what, kind of my point where, you know, everybody's reacting to the same thing in mm-hmm. their own unique way. And yeah. I think that that's, kind of you know the way it is in life you know if you get a death sentence if you get god forbid you know some kind of a terminal diagnosis which essentially they've all gotten you know you have options for how you're going to react um and and our characters i think we see them reacting across that sort of spectrum from Jasper to Clark you know um in ways that because they're all reacting to the same thing um feels unified even though you're right we can tell sort of very different character stories um through the same through the same sort of lens that it, it's it, been and i think in some ways season two was like
3: that too i
1: think it's also really effective for um for exploring you know the the kind of like if you when you have a gigantic intractable problem how do people sort of confront that and how do they make the the, how do they make the bad choice or the best case choice that they can? And so it it sort of helps work you know thematically work with that too. If you have every every character sort of reacting to the same problem, it makes it somewhat, you know, there's a kind of like clear spectrum of those different crappy choices and how people are picking which crappy choice they want to go with. You know, there's a kind of like uh, you know clarity I think that 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 also kind of helps on the thematic level.
2: yeah, yeah. are you going to try and live your life to its fullest? Are you going to tell the people that you love that you love them? I mean it does sort of crystallize and clarify relationships too you know you don't yeah
3: want to time, yeah mm-hmm. know,
2: exactly this is the end and so that does yeah. force some of these relationships um, to a head in a good way romantically and otherwise. Mm-hmm.
3: Well,
0: and I think something else that's really cool about this too is that it, um, which which gets into another question we wanted to ask, which is like one of the things I really love about how how big and strong and diverse of an ensemble this show has is that like you can kind of shuffle the deck and pair up an unexpected pair of characters or draw kind of a a line of comparison between two unexpected characters and sort of pull a whole new kind of chunk of story out of that. You know, like I've been really interested in watching over the course of the last few episodes, watching, you know, Bellamy and Abby, who don't interact a whole lot, having sort of really parallel um, responses and reactions to the question of like saving the one over the many, you know, or... Um, or pairing up a, you know, a pair of characters who don't interact a whole lot, like, you know, like Murphy and Abby and Jackson and Raven, like the combination of those four people in a storyline, and then bam, all of a sudden, you have all these new dynamics. Um, so I guess just to sort of like kind of throw one out- One of you,
2: I believe, I can't remember whether it's Aaron or Claire, but one of you- is, like, amazed that you actually care about Jaha's story this season.
0: Okay, There'll so that's, so, <laughs> so let me, let me, in, in defense that's of myself, so yes, because, so I, I, every, like, it felt so, um, it felt to me, like, narratively, like, I, and this is, again, like, this, is, I, I was thrilled, to, I was thrilled to be wrong, um, but it felt like like Jaha's arc over season two and season three was so much about the City of Light storyline that it felt like the intuitive ending to that story would be him dying when the city of Light kind of falls part of the end of the finale. And I remember just thinking like, the fuck are they gonna do with Jaha in season four? Like where could his story <laughs> possibly go? What I didn't predict coming was a that fucking like doomsday I cult. At the
2: beginning of the season in the writers. Room. <laughs>
0: Well, whoever came up with the cult thing and Bill Cadigan, who's my new conspiracy theory obsession, um, thank you. Because I because I'm super excited now. But I I would not and I actually felt the same way with with Octavia too, just remember thinking like, like where's like where's Octavia gonna go? Like where where is she storming off to in a building with no elevator, you know? And um and is she gonna like lead her people or what's going on? And um so it was so Bajaha has been kind of the big um the big unexpected surprise to me of this season, not just because I I was sort of like, I'm I'm I just wasn't sure where it was gonna go or or how it was necessarily gonna, you know, gonna hook me. But Jaha is a character that I always feel like, you know, like I he he sort of he makes he makes me crazy on this sort of visceral level where I'm just like, Jaha, like I I almost always disagree with your decisions. But I but I love that he always somehow ends up tied so deeply into whatever the big ethical question is. You know, like he he always somehow finds his way into being like the the heart of that big is this a right or a wrong? you know, like what do we do in this situation kind of question um so i'm i'm actually I'm super interested in I'm really hooked on Bill Cadigan. I'm super interested in what else jaha knows from secret chancellor files about this cult or if he's going to go looking for a 13th bunker or what i don't want spoilers i'm not asking you i'm just (laughs) i'm just saying um but yeah but i'm really like (laughs) i'm super i'm yeah i'm just i'm just gushing a little because i have you here but um but yeah but i'm really i was like (laughs) i was i was so surprised by how engaged i was in seeing him because again like shuffling the deck like Clark and Jaha is not a combination of characters we've seen share meaningful time together really since the first season. Like when they, like they Skyped in the first season. Yeah. There's like the flashback and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so it was, yeah. So things like that I really, I really love about this show that you can just sort of be like, all right, Abby, Murphy, go. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, what? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So are there, are there things like that? So
2: to take a couple, let me, I was just going to like, let me take, let me talk about a couple of different things that just came to my mind as you were talking about all that. Yes. Absolutely. One of the things about having such a big cast of actors who are so good, like we're at this point right now where they're all so good. They're so dialed in. They are so, you know, I mean, some characters that are no longer with us weren't as good perhaps as as performers and maybe they were, maybe they weren't. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but the people that are there now are just such a pleasure write for because everything that we throw at them, they, they make better all the time. Oh, and so, yeah. yeah, it's really fun for us to sort of like imagine uh weird, pair, weird pairings that, that perhaps we haven't seen before realizing this year, for instance, that Octavia and Jaha have never been in a scene together. Not Yeah. Before. Oh, uh, wow. Monty, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think I don't think Monty and and you're gonna get some of that this season. Monty awesome. and Murphy I think have ne- had never been in a. They were in a scene maybe once between a door in ep- in season one episode two where M- Murphy wanted to kill Jasper because he was making too much noise. Oh yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, right. And Monty raised in ahead
2: mm-hmm. of Murphy and shut the hatch. Yeah, and they had some dialogue between the hatch, but I don't think they've had any together other than that like they weren't even in the same scene because you know the upper level of the dropship was the, was the same as the middle level of the dropship just redressed
3: oh. so both actors <laughs>
2: were never in the same room at the same time oh man wow. um and yeah and so then this season we're going to get some good uh monty murphy stuff so oh cool yes, that's very cool for us to be able to sort of like do that um and it's an amazing luxury to have um actors in a cast that you know we can sort of shuffle around like that for sure yeah um, another thing that you said that i thought was funny was octavia marching off to a building that has no elevator like in my sort of head <laughs> canon she strode <laughs> off at the end of the at the end of the season and got to the elevator and realized oh shit there's no way <laughs> I was that's, 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 That, that and, and by the way I obsessed about it. I obsessed all <laughs> off-season about, like, getting them to the ground. I was I was encouraged by my staff that, like, nobody gives a shit except for me about
1: that kind of stuff. So. So. I think that was one of those moments where I feel like it's, it's like, funny to think about, but it's also it was kind of a moment where, like, it reminds you that Octavia's still, like, what, 16? Right, right. So there's, like, such a 16 thing to yeah. do, like, flounce out of that room and then be like, oh, shit. I don't have anywhere
0: to go. <laughs> yeah. And like, Kane comes out and she's like, yeah, I'm still mad at you. Exit. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great exit. And then like, what it do you do? Exit. Yeah. We did and laugh then, about like,
2: Kane uh, so that.
1: Like, so that of, was something that. She's just
2: looking in the hallway. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My old well, Bellamy's like, dude, how are you going to get down?
1: You <laughs> just kill somebody? <laughs> and she's like, shut up Bellamy. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> Um, you're ruining my that's... moment. Though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's very serious. Um, was there a, is there like a, a pairing of characters that you put together that was like particularly surprising to you? About like you know, hey, let's put those guys together, and then you're sort of like, oh my god, I didn't know that was going to happen when they when we put those guys in a room. Um.
2: Well, I think in season two when um, Jaha and Murphy went on the on the long walk to the city of light together. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I knew there'd be, I knew that would be a good, I knew that would be a good pairing because Richard Harmon is such a good actor and Isaiah Washington is such a seasoned good actor. Um, that, and I knew Isaiah would sort of like push Richard and I knew Richard would like try to meet that challenge. and, Mm -hmm. And so just, you know, from a pure sort of fan of good acting perspective, you know, I was excited to see where that went, and it, it exceeded my expectations for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, every every time two new people come together, I, I'm I've I've not been disappointed by by much. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a, the biggest fanboy of this show, so that's why I'm listening to podcasts about my own fucking show
1: <laughs>
2: on my way to the studio. <laughs>
1: Well, you're welcome. Okay. <laughs>
2: thank you so much. Honestly, thank you guys. I mean, it's really just a, it's a pleasure to have, hear such sort of intelligent conversation about something that we work so hard on, you know, so
1: I do appreciate well, it. Well, thank you guys for, for making this show that, I mean, we just, we did this, like this, we started doing the podcast because I got into the show and then I made Claire watch it and then, um, so, you know, she got caught up in the hiatus over between season two and three and then season three started and we were like literally exchanging like hundreds of emails a week and like calling each other on the phone. We would have like four hour conversations on the phone about the, about the show every single. And finally my That's husband great. was just like, just buy some that. microphones and like, record <laughs> <this."> like <laughs> and we're like, yeah, okay, sure. Why not? So we just like did it just like on a whim and it's, and it turned into this whole thing. So it's, the this is, like, such of a, a cool thing for us. That's right, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know,
2: I think I love it. I mean, I love how how passionate people get. And I get that way, too, about shows and things that I love, you know. Sometimes the passion forgets, I think, that, that A, there are real people uh, who make these shows. Yeah. And, B, that it is just a television show. But, you know, at the same time, I get it. You know, we get art is is inspiring and it's supposed to, it's funny, you know, I went I went to, when I went to college, not to tell a story that has nothing to do with the show, but I was a, an English uh, major, English film double major or something like that. It's been too many years to remember. But I had a creative writing class and I wrote a story that, um, it was one of those classes where you would submit the story and the group was like a workshop, the group would sort of critique the story and I wrote this short story and the night before my critique came up, my professor called me at home and said, "You should just be aware that a lot of people are angry about your about your story. So just brace yourself for tomorrow." And I'm like, "Oh fuck, what is that?" <laughs> so I go to the class, and sure enough, for like 45 minutes, I got you know people saying how insensitive I was for whatever you know. The, I can't. I'm not going to talk about what the story was about, but it was an allegory for something, and. Then they sent the scripts to me like at the end of the class. You get all everybody's – uh, not scripts, uh, stories back with notes on it. And everybody who was silent during the critique had written, like, addendum to their notes. All their, all their notes were like, this is the best story anyone's written all semester. Mm. You know, So either people thought it was the best story anyone's written all semester or it was like the devil. I was the <laughs> <a fucking devil.
3: laughs>
2: And then, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. people and then people wrote, like, I'm sorry I didn't say anything during the cri- d- during the critique, but I didn't want to upset, you know, Joe, who was so mad. Right, right, um, right. And I, I, the, the other day I sort of had the epiphany that, like, I kind of am living that still. So.
1: <laughs> you I, didn't know that your allegorical story you wrote in college was going to be an allegory for your life.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, that's what the hundred is. The hundred is something that's not supposed to make everybody happy. You know, it's
3: not, right, a, yeah, right, it's not right, a happy right, story. It's right, something right.
2: That, it's a tragedy. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry, I digress. No,
1: no, no. That's that was I would, another digression because this reminds me. You went to University of Wisconsin, right?
2: I did. Oh my god, my favorite place in the world.
1: I I actually grew up in yes. Madison. That's my hometown. So you did. I did, yeah. Oh
2: my god, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking, are you <laughs> are you in your twenties, thirties, forties? Thirties. We're both I'm, I'm we're both 35.
1: thirty or, yeah, yeah, I'm
2: almost thirty five. Yeah. So. So yeah, cool. So I was there. I was definitely there while you were still living there. Probably. Yeah. I was in I college was... from like eighty five to eighty nine.
1: Okay. Yeah, I would have yeah. been. I was like in elementary school. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I, I,
2: I get that every day. I go out, and I'm talking about something in my office, and I'm like, uh, 1992, and they raise their hands. Sorry, I wasn't born in 92.
1: (laughs) I feel you. I mean, I'm a college professor, and my students, you know, were, like, born in, like, 1998 or, you know, 97 or whatever. (laughs) So... I was I was it was like a shock of my life one day when I made a friends reference and they actually knew what I was talking about. I was totally expecting them to have no idea, but apparently Friends is still Well the nineties like are retro now. The nineties are retro, right that's now, how old I we agree.
2: are. Yeah. Thank God for Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's
1: right. Exactly. <laughs> um that was a little detour. Uh so do we have time for one more quest- question?
2: Sure. Um, They're yelling one more from, from the office. Okay.
3: Okay. We can okay. do one
2: more. So far, I have not spoiled anything, I don't think. I don't know if I've said anything that's going to come back to bite me in the ass, but I usually do, so
1: <laughs> we'll see. But, yes. like a you fun have time surprise to see what it time. is this time. <laughs> okay. Um, Claire, do you have one that you really wanted to get
0: to? Um, Let's see. I'm looking at the list. Well, so I guess we 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 talked about this a little bit when we were talking about about um Bellamy and Clark, but like um we one of the things that we were, have been really interested in watching um with season 4 so far is just kind of the um all the different kind of thematic um like sort of running running threads tying different characters in little subplots together along this sort of, you know, the um, the kind of big apocalypse plot, one of which seems to be this sort of continual question of like, um, and we and we touch a little bit on the sort of the the one versus many the choices you make for your people thing. But like the sort of, I guess, big macro question of like, um, what does it mean to be a leader and the choices leaders make and um, and the way that sort of draws a thread between like Bellamy and Clark and Raven over here? um, Bill Cadigan and this sort of um, you know, the question of sort of the kind of cult mindset between him and Jaha over here, um, what's going on with Roan and everyone else in um in Polis sort of holding together this fractured alliance. Um so I guess just sort of in a in a general kind of toss that out there to you kind of way. Um I'm just I'm interested in all the different sort of the different stories the show is telling on a bunch of different fronts about um leadership. and and being a leader, being a good leader, or the the hard, ugly, impossible choice that leaders have to make, and sort of the way those threads kind of all tie together. That's a very ambiguous, vague question, but I'm just sort of like tossing that out there to sort of see if you have (laughs)
3: thoughts.
2: (laughs) Yes, I mean, I hear, yeah, for sure, it's something that uh, thematically and dramatically we are uh, trying to dramatize, for sure, 100%. You know, Clark especially, her ascendance to position of leadership where now it's kind of unquestioned, you know? Like, there was no election that made Clark the chancellor. In fact, you know, we have a scene, I think, and it's already been on the air, I think it was episode uh, two, maybe? No, three? Uh, You guys will tell me whether it was two or three where where Clark says, I'm not the chancellor, but here we are to Raven. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like, they have no choice now but to take the reins because Clark's earned it, you know? Clark's earned... The, no one's questioning whether Clark has uh the authority to to make decisions anymore because she's frankly saved their asses on more than one occasion mm-hmm. um, and I think it's also really uh, there's an important scene in that same episode between jaha and clark and and one of the things I like the most about the sort of jaha clark um, if there is a storyline it's it's just sort of their their sort of journey towards uh a, I should say Clark's journey towards understanding what it is to be the to heavy lies the crown you know like ultimately she's kind of understood that for a while probably but certainly now she's uh, deliberately in a position that they were all in um on the ark when they had the information that the that the ark was going to die and that they were all going to die you know they kept that information from their people and Jake clark's father wanted the people to know the truth and that's where clark was in the beginning of this series and now um you know she's come to a understanding of what the other side of that decision-making um spectrum is like you know now she's the one who's not wanting to tell everybody and she's the one who is essentially you could say lying to her people by omission you know um in order to because she thinks that's the, that the people don't won't be able to handle the full truth, and that ultimately it will prevent them from being constructive and, and getting the ship ready in time or you know, whatever the case may be. So um, we're for sure, you know, Clark is our hero, and and we're dramatizing that arc through her. Um, but you know, you're not wrong in your interpretation of that's a leader. There's a leadership story happening in Polis with Rowan, and there's a leadership story happening obviously. Um, with with uh Raven too to a certain extent because she's never really had to be responsible for yeah. pulling the lever.
3: Yeah. And, yeah, yeah.
1: You know.
2: Last yeah, and last week we, you know, we sort of put her in a position to maybe better understand what that's like. And so, um, you know, I don't know, I feel like I feel like it's a it's a really big topic and it's not something that we sort of like say this is gonna be an episode for the most part, this is gonna be an episode about leadership, although um, episode two, Heavy Lies, The Crown, was definitely, by the way, we know that's a Shakespeare butcher <laughs> <laughs> It just sounds better. No offense to the bard. I, for okay.
1: I was, I was, uh, anyway. trying not to laugh when you said it, because I can imagine Claire's like... Cringing, But yeah, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> Heavy Lies the... What is the actual... Heavy Lies the Head that Wears the Crown. Uneasy.
0: Uneasy like, Lies the Head that Wears the Crown.
1: Uneasy Lies yeah.
0: the... I'm uneasy, only like a dick because I was uneasy a theater major. Uneasy Lies the
3: Head.
0: Uneasy yeah, lies, the head lies the Head that Wears the, the Crown. Head, yeah. Not a good
2: yeah. title. I, yeah, that's no, that's fair. Heavy yeah. Lies the Crown.
0: Yeah, totally. title. Absolutely. Right? So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't question you. We're still... We're good. We're good. <laughs> and,
1: and, like, I, you know, like, knowing... Knowing Shakespeare, I think he would be totally fine with you, like, butchering his line to make a better title and then still attributing it to him, because, like, that's, that's, that is in and of itself fairly Shakespearean. I say,
0: that's what
2: he so. did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he would be happy with it or not, but yes, we, we uh, definitely, you know, for dramatic purposes. By the way, look at the title of our show, the number 100, like, grammatically incorrect. Right. People who look at it and say the 100 are 100 percent right. That's the way it would be (laughs) pronounced. Um, But going back to the beginning of the show, when I, I, by the way, I refused to write it as the number 100. Like the first season scripts, I wrote the 100 out (laughs) and I got big fights with people here, marketing people, because I didn't want it to be. I knew people would call it the 100. that's Not the name of the show. But I lost. And by the way, I'm happy I lost because it's a much cooler looking title than if it said the hundred, right? Yeah, you can it
0: do. Is. You yeah. can do way, way more with it graphically. I live, yeah.
2: I live with that every day. <laughs> every time someone says the one hundred, there are certain there are certain executives that uh, and other producers on the show who uh, sort of argue the other position. And every time someone says the one hundred, I look at them and I'm like, told you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, I don't
1: remember where we, where, how we got here from there. Uh,
2: you never know. I always, that's what I never do, know. word salad.
1: <laughs> that's fine. Um, I was just sort of stuck on thinking about Raven, who's another character, I think, who's had such like an astonishingly cool story arc over four seasons, you know, and just like, really kind of uh you know sort of gone in directions that that are continually surprising but also really kind of make a lot of sense and um so uh yeah i don't really have a, like a question about that i just i just am sort of like i'm, I'm really kind of like you're fascinated a raven by i
2: love I we love, love raven the way
1: that yeah. love raven too i we i i love raven and like i mean i think we said it when we when we did a a few of the, we did the beginning of season two um, over the hiatus, but is it episode two when Raven shows up? There's that first scene, you mm-hmm. know, when Raven shows up on the screen and it's just like, you know, like if it's possible to like follow the character of the first season. Yeah. Yeah. Season one. Yeah. 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 When when Raven first shows up, it was like if it's possible two. to, Yeah. If it's possible to fall in love with a character at first sight.
0: Oh, yeah. Just, like,
3: see
1: a character and know, like, (laughs) I'm going to adore you. Like, I
2: definitely have that experience with (laughs) Rachel. Oh, yeah. Me too. And, by the way, with with Lindsay Morgan, when she walked into the audition for that part, it was like, unlike any – I've told this story before, so – but unlike any audition I've ever been a part of where she came in, we were really busy making the show because it wasn't pilot time, it was series time already – because it was episode two and she just was raven. Like suddenly it was yeah. real and mm-hmm. she was there. And I said, let's just, we're done. Like, stop, cast her, move on. Mm-hmm. Next thing we have to deal with because we found her. Um, and so she, she's been, she's been a revelation from the beginning. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like she's Raven is the key to everything in many ways, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. And,
0: mm-hmm. I mean, and, how you do you know, people if they get mad be because if they
2: didn't have be nice been. to Raven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, you know, the, the sort of hell that Raven's been through, the sort of pain that Raven's been through, and um, the gauntlet that she's had to sort of run in order to survive and, and help everybody else survive, that's the reason why we respond so positively to her, you know? So, and she's just, you can't beat her. She can't keep her down. She's un she's unkillable. She's undeniable, you know? She'll rise above her her... Disability, and she'll uh, still manage to kick your ass and, and save the world. You know, so so there's, you know, there's something um, sometimes a little bit of a disconnect between, you know, the reason we love characters and um, wanting other things for them. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like I don't think we would yeah. have the same reaction to Raven if she was like in a bunch of scenes talking about how cute the boys were and right. like, you know, the tea party <laughs> that she's going to go to. You know, like. We wouldn't get, we wouldn't feel the same way about that really well-rounded, strong, you know intelligent, capable human being well, I so think that, who, can, who you can't kill
0: I think that there's sort of yeah there's there's sort of a you know a kind of two pronged way that some of us like engage in media where there's like a piece of your brain that's just like, you know, I want to just like wrap up my babies in a blanket and keep them safe and protect them forever because i I love them so much. and then also, like you said, like the reason. You know, she's had this, I think, really profound impact. And not just Raven, but like, you know, so many of these characters, you know, Lexa, and with Clark, and with Octavia, you know, especially for um, you know, the, the women of this show are, are like, this is a better ensemble of women than I've ever seen, I think, on any show I've ever seen since maybe like the West Wing. Like, I love these women and and the impact that I feel like they have on on girls and women watching it. It's because, you know, we watch the way they respond to adversity. Um, I think people can see themselves, you know, I think people see themselves on screen for the first time with this television show in some ways that are really cool. Um, I did a thing in the fall on Twitter where I sort of there's some conversations kind of happening about like representation on the show. On Twitter so I kind of just sort of like threw a thing at people and asked like tweet me like who's the character on this show that you feel like you know like represents you that you sort of see yourself on the screen and we got like hundreds of responses and it was things like you know people who have lived with chronic pain their whole lives and look at Raven and they're like that's yeah. me like that's my story or people who have struggled with mental illness and really really deeply saw themselves in Jasper you know or who are older siblings who helped raise a younger sibling like Bellamy, like all these things we don't necessarily think of as representation that are hardwired into like all the different adversities that we watch these characters go through. Somebody somewhere in their living room is watching that and being like, that's my story, you know, on this television show. And that's like, I think that's huge. I think that's so important. Yeah, for sure. I yeah, you, you know, and
3: that's
1: something that certainly. You got responses for. All right. Go ahead. Good. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sort of cutting out. But I was just going to say, I think, Claire, you got responses for like almost all of the characters, right? I think, like, I just... think every
0: character, because we, we tweeted them to the actors, too. I think we got, I think every single character who was like a series regular and then like half a dozen other guest stars. Like there was, there was probably like 25 different things happening. It was amazing. Yeah, it was, it was everybody like, ac- across the whole spectrum
2: that's great. I mean, I, you know, I love that people can sort of see themselves in the show and sort of relate to characters and representation is obviously a huge thing. Certainly something that I was not at all aware of, perhaps because I'm like a straight white guy and I got a lot of straight white guys on TV shows that I Mm like. Maybe that's the reason. But, you know, when I write this show, when we, when we sort of uh, conceive of these characters, oftentimes it's, not with like a certain sort of diversity group in mind you know it's like we weren't looking to cast um an asian actor when we when we cast chris larkin we cast the best actor he came in and he was fucking hilarious and awesome and that's why we cast him and then he goes on to be you know an important uh person in the lives of of perhaps uh, asian americans or asian uh viewers of the show um, and that's great. And then that has to be something that we as writers are aware of after the fact, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we don't Yeah. It's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. often colorblind the casting process. You know, yes, we're looking for women or we're looking for men. Um, but it often doesn't go beyond that. We're just looking for the best person and then, you know, uh Isaiah Washington walks in the door or um whatever the case may be, Bob Morley walks in the door, you know. So that's the way this process works. Um, and and we really are colorblind in a sense for, for in in casting the show, and that's why there's so much diversity on the show, and why it's strange to me sometimes to you know that there's some kind of backlash, racist backlash against against me personally. Not to talk about that very much, but you know it's just, just strange.
0: Well, I think I mean I think it's a um, yeah I think I think we you know. The, the world that people, the real world people live in when they're watching television, they're sort of, they bring their own life experiences to what they're watching on screen. And and if their life experiences are, you know, maybe maybe really different from the life experiences of the people who are making the show or writing the story, and so you end up with situations where you sort of have this kind of fundamental disconnect between the story that was intended as it was being written and the story as it's received by somebody who's sort of bringing their own kind of selves to it. So I just, I think, and I don't think that's the thing where there's necessarily like an objective black and white right or wrong. I just think it's it's context. You know, I, I think we all, we watch television, you know, like when we're talking about television shows, we're never really just talking about television shows, you know, um, like sort of
2: the same way that you were right. talking well, before I, about I the environment. You're right, 100%. And it basically – and it does say more, oftentimes anyway, more about the person who's reacting um, than what they're reacting to. So, um, but, but yeah, because we're telling a story about a group of fictional people that live in a fictional world that's not our world, and they're not dealing with the problems of our world. But people who are watching the show have the problems or have the issues that they have to deal with every day, and it's really hard to separate Um, you know, this is one of the tricky things about creating a television show in the world in the age of Twitter, Mm -hmm. you know, where there is so much sort of outrage and so much access. And, and I think it does sort of inspire people's worst, um, instincts oftentimes, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's, I think that's one facet of it. I also do think that there's something, I mean, and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not in, I'm not in your shoes on you guys' side of it, you know, but I also do think, um I think the flip side of that is that people engage so deeply in the media that they consume in a way that I think is is sort of profound and amazing. You know, I I think I know people who like in their real lives sort of found the, you know, found the Strength and inspiration to come out to their own families because of seeing a relationship on TV like Klexo or like Sanvers on Supergirl. You know, like you have, like you see that on television Mm -hmm. and you, and it does something to you as a real person, you know? And, and so I think, I think it amplifies the good and the bad. You know, I think that, that there is certainly. No, you're right. You're right.
2: You're right. I mean, I do think, I do think that, I do think that overall, I mean, listen, I'm in no way complaining about it. I feel like ultimately, um, I think ultimately it's amazing, as I said, that people engage as passionately as they do. I think it's for showrunners and creators and people on my side of of, of it, I I do think that it's best to sort of stay one step removed from it and not be quite as, sadly, quite as accessible as perhaps I was early on because, you know, there's so much negativity that comes at us that, you know, I don't think anybody's ever really analyzed what that does to to a person in the sense of like a long-term exposure to that kind of negativity. It's just a weird position to be in. No, totally. While I I totally agree with you that it's amazing that people can sort of passionately engage and certainly learn from. And if, if anybody was inspired by anything that, that they saw on our show, I think that's amazing. I'm just talking about, you know, how it feels sometimes. Oh,
0: totally. No. Be the sort of. Absolutely. And I, I think it comes down to just a sort of question of like, you know, that I, I, I think this might sound weird, but like, I think it is sometimes hard for people to remember that, like, that you're a person, (laughs) you know, like that you're a real person and, (laughs) and everyone making this show are real people and the actors are real people and the writers are real people. And, and so I think that like the, the, um, I think the conversation and and I think and some of that I think is just kind of like a sociological construct of how social media makes us engage where you feel like you're talking to a Twitter avatar and you can kind of distance yourself from the idea that that's a human being. And that just sort of changes the discourse. But I so I think that there is like, I think that the engagement people have in this show and what the show has brought to people and the way it kind of connects in this deep level is amazing. I do also think that, like, I completely hear what you're saying, that it gets into this sort of strange area where, like, um, you know, where negativity gets directed in a way that can't help but feel personal to you guys that are receiving it because you're human beings, you know, you're real human beings. And so I just, I feel like that's the, a... well,
1: and because it is, I mean, they're saying it, they're saying it to you. Right. So in that sense, it is personal. Even, yeah. you know, It both is and isn't, you know, it's like, so, um, yeah. So, you
3: know, it's this only, show, you I think in this like, show in detach.
2: particular, <laughs> right. And I think in this show in particular, we do sort of tell such an intense emotional story with, mm-hmm. So oftentimes tragic consequences right. that you know people people the reaction, the emotion that this show is attempting by the way deliberately to mm-hmm. sort of provoke in people is oftentimes sadness or um you know catharsis or something it's a tragedy. I say this all the time. this show is a tragedy, it's not a happy you know it's not a happy show it's a different it's different you know mm-hmm. and I think all the great love stories for the most part fictional love stories i should say you know at least the ones that i respond positively to are tragedies you know there's always the reason why the people don't end up together you know romeo and juliet huge tragedy right i mean Mm. um the english patient tragedy casablanca they don't like (laughs) on and on and on so these are the things that these are the things that we are going for here this is not um this is not this is a tragedy it's a post apocalyptic yeah. end of the world you know bad things are happening to people that we like all the time in this show right so i, I think I'm not it's really interesting because i don't watch the th- show if you think- can't handle that
0: i mean yeah i mean i think i feel like <laughs> I that's fair they- yeah go ahead Aaron. go ahead i do think it's really all interesting right. that, you know like, yeah, when so you bring
1: up yeah yeah oh, Sorry, i'm having like connection no, issues No, you go ahead go ahead um, yeah, like I mean, delayed situation. Think-
2: By the way, my, my, my pilot that's in, uh, in South Africa, every time I have a conversation with anybody, it's like, I start talking, then they start talking, then they realize that I'm talking, <laughs> so they stop talking, <laughs> and then I stop talking. So. <laughs> yeah, technology. Oh, Skype.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's interesting that you talk about this show as a tragedy because I think, you know, the, like, the, the, the difference between a comedy and a tragedy comes down to how it ends right? Like a co- in a comedy, um, you know, comedy isn't like traditionally ha ha funny. It's just like sort of at the end of a comedy, the kind of like society is sort of harmonious together, like often through a marriage or relationship coming together, but there's a kind of like things are resolved happily. And a tragedy just means that yeah. like things end, end terribly, you know, it's like, so it's, it's interesting because like when you say it's a tragedy, you're sort of talking about like, you know, you're talking, telling your audience, like, this is the story you're watching and the story you're watching doesn't have this particular kind of ending, and I do think that there's a, a certain amount of, like, sort of, sort of miscommunication often between sort of creators and fans, because the fans want to, like, they have different ideas about the story that they're being being told, and, and different sort of, like, assumptions, right, and I well, think occasionally, like, yeah. those kind of assumptions sort of run up against each other, and then and there's, like, a kind of miscommunication that can produce friction, which is sort of can be frustrating.
2: (laughs) Well, and I think it's also sort of, you know, again, it's whatever your particular, I guess, cup of tea is. But for me, you know, when a Mm -hmm. character dies on the show, that doesn't negate that character's life or that character's existence within the tapestry that is that show, you know. So anybody who's ever been in the show and is no longer with us were really important at the time that they were in the show – so, you know, if I was talking about a character who I then went on to kill, I wasn't lying about that character. I was telling the truth about what was in the show that meant a lot to me at that time. I don't look at it like this is happy endings discussion that we're having. I I look at it right. as we're talking about season 4 and here's what's happening right now and there will be characters this season that lose their lives. And just right. because I'm talking about them now in a way in, in a way that is, you know, present tense, You know, six weeks from now, or whenever it is, when it's when a particular character might no longer be with us, and I hate to be cryptic like that, but you know, (laughs) that doesn't negate. I'm not lying to today, right? Because I'm talking about a character who's alive today in the show. So that that often becomes it's tricky. You know, it's tricky discussing a, a drama that's unfolding in a way as to not spoil it and protect the story and protect the narrative, so that you're surprised by it when it happens that's what our job is right as as writers and creators of television shows like we spend all of our time trying to protect the experience of the audience so that things are not spoiled in advance so you know and and there's a fine line between doing that and i guess people would outright say sort of lying you know if you ask me right now if anybody if a character was going to die even if they were i would say you know, I would probably not lie. I would probably say something like, "You know, you know I can't talk about that," or right. something to that effect,
3: yeah. you know, yeah,
2: because that's our job. Our job is to tell you a story that engages you and that is surprising as as much as possible. you know, I'm always pushing back on marketing campaigns and and you know we pick um you know we pick clips every week, and I'm trying hard to find clips that tell the story but don't ruin the story, you know mm-hmm. um so anyway. That's yeah,
1: probably yeah. not exciting no, for I mean, people, I... but that's, you know, that's the process. <laughs> I mean, but, but a surprise is so important to any story. Like that's the pleasure of, of reading a story for the first time, you know, is, is like experiencing the surprise of the twists and turns. And so, yeah, no, I mean, I, this is why like, yeah. it's so frustrating when people put out spoilers, you know, Yeah. Yeah, there's like, I don't I don't want to know. I want to find out. There's a fine line
2: between there's a fine line between promoting a show and spoiling a show. So, you know, but we have to find that balance. And that's, you know, not my job. It's not my job to do that. It's the job of people at the network and studio. And they, I think, do a a very good job of it. and yet, still, things get out there, and we yeah. have like you know, our some of our fans are just so intense in the sense that like they're trying to spoil things now, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's an industry of, of spoilers out there, so um, we live in interesting times, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it it must be a strange experience feeling like I just <laughs> I feel like the 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 experience of making television in a in a world where people are are so like deeply engaged and have such instant access to every single piece of information on such a sort of deep and granular level and can kind of like, you know, and, and things get shared so quickly, you know, I mean, I just, I, I, I wonder, like, it must be so qualitatively different, like making art this way in the 21st century than it was like even 10 or 15 years ago, you know, where like, where people just didn't have, um, have access to that level of detail and a way to spread that information so quickly. You know I mean, I think one of the problems with spoilers now is like once it's out, yeah. it's out everywhere instantly forever, and you can't you know put the cat back in the bag and in five minutes, everybody has seen it you know um so yeah, it's right. just I mean you really
2: have to make a conscious effort, you have to make a conscious effort to not get spoiled like mm-hmm. if you are if you want to be pure, if you're a fan of the show and you want to um. Experience it the way we intend for you to experience it. Then you got to just turn Twitter off.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. You can't. Yeah. Now it's true. The day yeah. of the
2: show And while the show's airing. Yeah. For
3: yeah.
0: Sure.
2: Um, yeah. But anyway, I really probably have to wrap it up. Okay. We've been on the phone a long time, and I know you guys want to try to post this before the episode airs. So I don't think people have time to listen to it now before it airs. That's
0: yeah, we
1: so might have just have to be like. Sorry guys, but you get extra time. Yeah. So not sorry. <laughs> and
0: and thank you so much for talking to us for so sorry long. This was like this was this you were so generous to give us so much of your time. We were we were happy to to even have gotten five minutes with you and that you stayed on the phone with us for so long is really wonderful. So thank you so much for doing
2: this. Uh it's my pleasure. Honestly, honestly, you guys are great. I really do like what you're doing and it's fun to listen and you know, hopefully I won't disappoint you later in the season <laughs> and have to make you like I can't believe. What an <laughs> no, okay. I feel
0: we personally
1: would say
2: betrayed.
1: That. We would say, we would say, "Well, that didn't work for me." So let's like unpack all yeah. the reasons why
3: that didn't
2: work. For me. <laughs> no, you guys. Listen, you guys are honest and and, and not always uh, positive. There were definitely things that you have been critical of, but I appreciate your criticisms, and they're always founded and and you know based on legitimate readings of of the story. Um, and so, you know, that's helpful. There's criticism that's helpful and constructive for us to listen to. And then there's, you know, just people who are blanket haters and negative, And every single thing we do, they think is evil and terrible for no reason right. other than the fact that, you know, we lost faith with, faith with them for whatever reason. And now it's like, you know, again, just blanket right. negativity. Yeah, well, yeah. Aaron and I both really do so appreciate much... the negative criticism
0: constructively anyway. well aaron and i are both so, writers and so you. i feel like we like we we think about things like writers we understand what's criticism that's helpful to us as writers and so that's kind of how we talk about you know you guys as writers so it's not just like oh jason's terrible it's sort of like okay well if this didn't work for me here's why like structurally speaking and that's a whole different thing yeah,
3: yeah exactly mm-hmm.
1: and yeah. plus we just really really love yeah, stories that could yeah good well we really appreciate you coming on, and, and it's, like, so cool that you listen. Like, that's just amazing. That so happy. Yeah,
0: so happy. And, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I hope that we keep doing stuff that you enjoy, too, so... Thanks so much for all of your time and, and for the show. And good we'd love to time. talk to you
0: again any other time. I appreciate
2: it, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs>
0: Thank
1: you, Jason. Yeah.
2: Enjoy the episode tonight. It's a really, really good episode. We're oh super God, excited. So many crazy things happen in this episode. Yay! We are looking Here, forward to be. it. It's a good one for sure. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> all right. I mean, all right. Some way wrote it. My 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 long-time right-hand person. So. Uh, you guys will like it. We're really Excellent. excited.
0: Super <laughs> excited. Thank, Thank you so much, Jason. Thank
2: you. Bye. Nice to meet you guys. You too. Bye-bye.
0: You too. Bye.